Send your spirit, God, to open our hearts and our minds to your word and strengthen us to live according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. As a native Californian, it is a pleasure to be here with you for many reasons. One of them is that even though it's cold and foggy outside here, it's 19 degrees where I live this morning. So I'm much happier to be here than there. And it's a great pleasure for me to be back together with your rector, Chris Rankin-Williams. Chris and I served both in Los Angeles together for many years. I was at All Saints Pasadena when he was at All Saints in Montecito. And uh, even though he lived all of those years in Los Angeles, he escaped without becoming a Dodger fan, for which I, I, uh, which I lament. But in the words of Tommy Lasorda, <laughs> there are three kinds of people in the world. People who make it happen, people who watch what happens, and people who wonder what happened. <laughs> Chris is definitely a priest who makes things happen, and it is a great pleasure for me to be with you here this morning at St. John's uh, and for um, Sive's baptism. So how do we become who we are? How do we become who God calls us to be? These are the questions posed to us today by the act of baptism on this first Sunday after the Epiphany. Now that all the excitement of the Christmas season is past, our church year in early January gets down to business. At Christmas, God has become one of us in Jesus. At Epiphany, which was last Tuesday, God's glory has been made manifest to the Magi and thus to the world. And today, our readings ask us to consider what that incarnation what that coming into human flesh of God in Jesus, what that glory actually mean for you and for me. So how do we become who we are? And how do we become the people whom God calls us to be? On this first Sunday after the Epiphany, we see the unfolding manifestation of God's glory in the life of Jesus. And as we start the process of watching that glory work itself out in his life and ministry, the first thing we encounter is Jesus going to the Jordan River and getting baptized by John the Baptist. Our gospel this morning is the first 11 verses of Mark's gospel, Mark's version of the Jesus story. And Mark begins his gospel not with a birth narrative, that's Luke, and not with a wise man and a journey to Egypt, that is Matthew, but Mark begins his version of the Jesus story with a baptism. The adult Jesus appears from out of nowhere and is baptized by John the Baptist. In Mark's version of the Jesus story, Jesus becomes who he is. Jesus learns who God calls him to be, in the act of baptism. So here is how Mark put it again. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. 
and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. So how do we become who we are? And how do we become who God calls us to be? If we're to listen to Mark, his gospel would suggest that the answers to those questions have something to do with baptism. If it's good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for us. Now, we preachers get a break after Christmas, and in that break, I've been revisiting a book by the Roman Catholic monk and writer Thomas Merton that I read many years ago. This book is called No Man is an Island, and it was written in 1955. Over the years, Thomas Merton wrote many pieces about discovering who you really are. For Thomas Merton, authentic self-knowledge was not just a personal question. It was not just an identity question. It was a question with divine significance. It was a question of holiness. As he said in another book, for me, says Merton, to be a saint means to be myself. Therefore, the problem of sanctity or salvation is in fact the problem of finding out who I am and discovering my true self. So many forces in life ask that we develop and project a false self. We get a lot of approval from our parents, from our teachers, and even, I'm sorry to say, from priests for pretending to be someone other than who we really are. We develop our false self as a way to make our way out into the world. Yet there comes a time when we cease to know who we were before we developed that false self. And so for Thomas Merton, rediscovering one's authentic self and then living into the vocation appropriate to your real self defined what he called the Christian life. How do we rediscover and live into the vocation of our true selves? For Christians, the answer to that question lies in what we're doing this morning, in the sacrament of baptism. What we're doing here this morning is really about our authentic identity as individuals and as a people. Most of those of us who are baptized were baptized as infants, and so the whole experience has receded from our memory. But baptism is the most important thing we ever do as Christian people. It initiates us into a community, it gives us a ministry, and it tells us who we really are. The community part of baptism is important. It's why we do baptism together in church on a Sunday and not privately. We're given a community as a way to start on the Christian journey of self-discovery. The first thing we learn, the, the way we learn anything, of course, is through imitation. Again, as Thomas Merton says, we are instinctively gifted in watching how others experience themselves. We learn to live by living together with others and by living like them. Now, Christianity is different from other forms of spirituality in its insistence 
That identity begins in a community. We cannot do it on our own. It really does take a village to make a person. So we need a family. We need a society. We need a culture to be fully human. We need a village, but the village can only take us so far. We have to go more deeply on our own. So again, as Merton says, in the last analysis, the individual person is responsible for living his own life and for finding himself. You cannot tell me who I am. I cannot tell you who you are. If you do not know your own identity, he says, who is going to identify you? Others can give you a name or a number, but they cannot tell you who you really are. That is something you yourself can only discover from within. So baptism then is about the giving of a community in which to begin and about the celebration of the particular uniqueness of each person. First there is us, then there is me, but there is still more to it than that. And what there's more to it is what we do together. There is what we in the church call ministry. In today's liturgy, right after I stop talking, which probably seems like an interminable distance from now, we will name our common ministry when we affirm the baptismal covenant. The families and the sponsors of the baptismal candidate of Sive, they will make the basic affirmations on her behalf. Then all of us will renew our commitments and promises that were made for us or which we made ourselves. And we'll end with five promises. We'll promise to come to church. We'll promise to repent our sins. We'll promise to tell others about Jesus. We'll promise to love others as ourselves, or at least to try to love others as ourselves. And we'll promise to respect the dignity of every person. How do we become who we are? How do we become who God is calling us to be? Baptism answers those questions for us. We become who we are and who God intends us to be by living out the ministry that we see enacted in the life of Jesus. We become who we are and who God intends us to be, in Merton's words, by living together with others and by living like them. We become who we are and who God intends us to be most authentically by striving first as a community and then as individuals to be like Jesus. Baptism is our initiation into a lifelong process of trying to be like Christ. Thomas Merton calls this imitation of Jesus aspect of our life the quest to discover God in myself and myself in God. I cannot do it, he says, unless I have the courage to face myself exactly as I am with all my limitations and to accept others as they are with all their limitations. I discover God in myself and myself in God, not just by following Jesus, but actually by trying to be like him. In so doing, I will come smack up against 
all my limitations, and I will come smack up against the limitations of other people. But over time, if I persist in the attempt of trying to be like Jesus, and if I join with others in that attempt, I will live more fully not only into my true self, but into the person who God wants me to be. We'll all help each other in this process. I need you, you need me, we all need each other. And this realization brings us back to why I think, and this question always perplexes me, why Mark's gospel starts not with the birth of Jesus, but with his baptism. I think it starts that way because Mark wants us to see that baptism worked this way for Jesus too. In his baptism, when that dove comes down and says, you are my beloved son, Jesus discovered his real community. And in that moment, he also discovered his true identity. He discovered who he finally was. In baptism, Jesus discovered his vocation and his ministry. So Mark begins his gospel with, and the story of Jesus' life with his baptism because he wants to show us what a baptized life looks like. It's a life of compassion. It's a life of service. It's a life of mutuality. It's a life of self-acceptance. It's a life of authenticity. It's a life of abundance and joy. It is a life that that is unique, it's authentic, and it's blessed. It is a life that is lived out in companionship with others. Jesus knew who he was, and you can know who you are too. In the covenant that we're about to affirm with each other and with God, we are reminded of the things that matter. So here is the paradox of the Christian faith. The more we strive to imitate Jesus, the more we become who we really are. And the more we persist in that work, the more deeply we will know that who we really are is precious and loved and accepted by God in ways that it often takes a lifetime to discover. So we come now to the baptism itself, the act and the event in which we will welcome and initiate Sive into a life that will be uniquely hers. May God bless her as this life unfolds. May God give all of us grace not only to support her, but to live more deeply into our own baptized lives too. As we come to this sack, to this font, and then to God's table, we will discover not only who God is, but who we are as well. Amen. Amen.